0: A.G. Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to
1: anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Welcome to football season, folks. That's right. It's August 1st. That means we have football in two freaking days. It's the NFL Hall of Fame game. Preseason. That's okay. It's something. um, This is... From here until February, there's football um, every month, so we got to love that. Um, And this is the 133rd edition of the TFS. Lots to talk about here. Lots has gone on the last eight days since we talked to you last. All right, podium, as always, I'm going to go first. This situation kind of came up um, at the beginning um, of last week and then was kind of put to rest. maybe in the middle during Big Ten media days and then um, kind of pick back up and, uh, in an article I read earlier, stupid, but the P.J. Fleck situation. So if you didn't read it, P.J. Fleck, um, they're saying some ex-players are saying, you know, cultish um, way of going about things at the University of Minnesota. Um, he's got these systems and stuff like that to get out of, you know, drug tests and this, that, and the other thing. Um, you read the article and it's all sour grapes. These guys are complaining because, oh, he made me, he made us run extra because he found out that we all went out drinking the night before. He he didn't play me. He was mean to me. He punished me. It's a bunch of sissies this day and age. is a bunch of sissies. These kids are. I mean, seriously, even from in the last two years, you can notice it from when I graduated college to now, these kids are softer and softer. And they're getting softer because that's what, that our society, everyone deserves a chance, everyone, no, you can't be told no, these people need to be taught a lesson, um, and this is situations BS, PJ Fleck, is he a weird guy, yes, absolutely, he's a weird, weird dude, He has an odd way of going about things, but he's a good football coach, he knows what he's doing, um, and it's, it's just stupid. I'm tired of these people. They did the same thing with Fitzgerald, and they tried to do the same thing with Fleck and run him out. And his athletic director actually came to his defense, which is really good. Um, uh, like like at Northwestern. Yeah, and then there was some article today was like, can P.J. Fleck's defense be as good as his, um, his hazing slash weird antics with his team? It's like, come on, guys. It's, just, it's enough. It's enough.
0: Hazing is the woke word du jour in college football. And I'm just going to... This was a great quote from a video that Ryan sent our family group the other day. Tom Izzo, if you lack toughness, you don't stand a chance. It's such a phony world right now when everyone tells everybody how good they are. Nobody tells anyone they need to get better. Coach Izzo nailed it. We need more Coach Izzos. I'm sorry. Disagree me if you want. More Bobby Knights in this world because... These snot-nosed 18- to 20-year-olds weren't snot-nosed 18- to 20-year-olds. Yeah, they were taught dollars. how to be men and how to be adults. And, and in the case of women's sports, how to be young women and how to be adults. I'm freaking tired of it. It's, it's exhausting.
1: It is exhausting. It's
0: disgusting. And speaking of disgusting, we're, we're going to go. It's been a little while since we've done a full-on bash of Michigan um, Ryan, of course, gave a really good preview last week um, of Michigan. This has nothing to do with their football season in particular, per se. But i, I got to tell you, like, I'm just going to start with this. Dan Dockich, who you know if you've listened to the pod for as long as we've been doing it. it it's been a while since we've mentioned him. He used to be on ESPN. It was really hard to take. He was really hard to take. I will say this. He definitely tells you like he sees it. He's also a conservative, so I'll give him a little bit of plus for that. And he also nailed it here in a tweet that Ryan sent me. This is like last week, I think. And this is a video that he did. Harbaugh is a cheat. Harbaugh is a liar. Harbaugh hired and fired a coach for cyber crimes. Harbaugh hired and fired a known racist. Harbaugh is 2-5 and five against Ohio State. Harbaugh is 1-6 in Bulls. Harbaugh has Hunter Biden-esque media protection. And Captain Upstairs completely agrees with me. I'm telling you, I got. I don't even know. I, I could go a whole podcast on this. So if you've been under a rock, Jim Harbaugh suspended for four games. Here's the first kicker. He got to negotiate his own suspension. Instead of the NCAA having the stones to say, no, Jim, you're done for half the season, or no, Jim, you're done for the season, four, Michigan fans would tell you, oh, he bought a recruited cheeseburger. Be honest, Michigan fans. Get out of your your higher than now high chairs down there in arrogant ass land. He didn't get suspended for buying a cheeseburger for a recruit. He got suspended for lying and then lying about it when he was under, quote, oath. So he lied to investigators, then he lied about the lie during the investigation. That's what he got suspended for. But yet, yet, just like... Mm. Joe Biden gets protection from the media and doesn't get um, gone after the same way, say, Donald Trump does. Uh, Donald Trump being, you know, everybody want to impeach him, indict him, you know, call call January 6th an insurrection. None of this Biden stuff, that's all blatantly true, gets him anything. Correlation number one. Correlation number two. Let's just say... um, where the double standard exists, how about the doctor situation? Michigan had a doctor that molested, basically raped men for decades. Where was the coverage of that compared to Larry Nassar at Michigan State? Oh, because Michigan, like Biden, like Hunter Biden, is protected. It's a joke. And Michigan fans, spare me the excuses and whatever. Your coach freaking lied and lied about lying. Would you let your kids lie and then let them lie about the lie and you know that it's true and not bust them for it? Give me a freaking break. You get off scot-free all the time. And if this was Ryan Day at Ohio State, sure as hell if it was Mel Tucker at Michigan State, it would be like, oh, four games, that's not enough. It should be a lifetime ban. In fact, Ryan, wasn't it? One of his assistant coaches got a show cause out of this whole thing and can't coach in the NCAA he, for five yeah, years?
1: He's in the NFL now. So but
0: but still, he can't come back for five years, right? Like At least with a show cause. And, and you're going to protect Jimmy it's just a—it's a joke, and the media is no different than the fans. The athletic is like, oh, what a joke suspension! What a joke that this happened! All these media outlets covering his ass. It's okay, Jim. It's okay that you lied. It's okay that you cheated because everybody else does it in your Michigan, and it's special when you're on top. <clears throat> Kiss my ass. All right, tea up. We're gonna go with a tee up. It's been a little while since I've had a good vent like that. Here's one that podcast listeners know that we love to throw in the tea up, and that's LeBron, because he can't keep his lay mouth shut about anything except for basketball. Um, so if you're in the know at all, I don't know, what when his son was probably an eighth grader so, maybe Bronny, um, at some point in time he started a school. I, I don't remember if it in it's in California or Akron, Akron whatever. Ryan read me an article this week. When those kids were in 8th grade, so whenever that was 2020, right? So three years ago now. None of them have passed a standardized math test. You're telling me that Mr. LeBron, I'm going to teach the 1619 curriculum, and I'm going to teach people the right way, and I'm going to educate these poor young men and women of the inner city Akron. Bullshit. You did it for publicity because none of these kids are any more educated and probably less educated than they would be if they had gone to Akron Public Schools. So you get teed up for not keeping your big, stupid, freaking mouth shut and just sticking to basketball. Maybe stick to basketball. And oh, by the way, like maybe speak up on something like the vaccine and we'll talk about why in a little bit. So that's the tee up, Ryan. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. All right. Now as we transition an ad from our Big Ten segment sponsor, Norris Sports Group, NSG is a boutique agency of experts ready to take your new or existing program to the next level with their 30 plus years of experience in sports sponsorship, endorsement strategy, program assessment, contract negotiations, event activation, and post-campaign measurement. Visit NorrisSportsGroup.com today for more information, or better yet, ask me. I worked with them for about five years, and they are everything that they say they are. All right, moving on to first down for the week. We have a lot of stuff in the podcast today. We're just scratching the surface. So previews, as a recap, Ryan's doing the East, I'm doing the West. Ryan's going alphabetical, except for Michigan State, where the asterisk is going last. Um, I'm doing the West, and I'm going from worst to first. So, Ryan, it is over to you.
1: Yep. Um... Remember last week we discussed the Wolfies, Um Had them going 11 1 uh, this week. Going with the Buckeyes. Um, another team that's going to be really good. Um, they've been good for a long time. So, 11 2 last year, 8 1 in the conference. Obviously, only loss was to Michigan. Um, and their other loss was to Georgia in the CFP semi. Uh, and they had a chance to win it, kind of gave it away, bad kick, whatever. Marvin Harrison got hurt, you can say that. Um, hung with Georgia, though. Had a really good really good game. Um, that was basically the national championship, because obviously Georgia smoked TCU. Um, but this is going to be Ryan Day's fifth season already, that's crazy. He's 45-6, and six, and two of those losses are in Michigan in the last two years. That's pretty wild. Um, and I think two of his other losses are in the playoff, so... Four total losses in the playoff. And then I can't remember who else he's lost to um, for his other two. But uh, bringing the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten, no shocker there. They have, they've been doing it for a long time. Um, basically my whole life, always had the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten. Um, you know, They lost some key, guy, key guys, though. C.J. Stroud, second pick in the draft to the Texans. He's gone. He was their quarterback for the last two seasons. He was really good. Heisman semi-finalist the last two seasons. Uh, Zach Harrison, defensive end. Pretty big-time recruit going to high school. Didn't really live up to it, um, but he still you know, was a good player for them. Started kind of booking um, edge rusher there. He got picked. He's gone. Tanner McAllister's their most um, experienced DB last year, gone. Then JSN, of course, he didn't play much last year because um, of his groin injury that he had. Um, and he ended up getting drafted in the top 15. And then Paris Johnson, who also won the first round of the NFL draft and their tackles left early, um, and he's gone. So lost a few key guys, but they do return a heck of a lot. Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, two really good backs. Both were dinged up of last year. If they stay healthy, watch out. Really good one-two punch at running back. Big Ten's got some really good one-two punch at running back, and this might be the third best of them. That's crazy to say. Um, then the the guy that it's going to be top three pick next year. He's the be, he might be the best player in college football. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. The guys an animal six four, blazing speed <coughs> catches everything, um, runs great routes. He's a stud. Um, I, I think he's the best player in college football. Best player in the Big Ten for sure. Um, Definitely really good. Then Emeka Ibuka, not a bad second receiver to have. Another guy that was a top 10 recruit. He's really good. He's a burner. Um mean a really good season last year for them. Um, then Donovan Jackson, he's back on the offensive line. He started a lot last year. Um, move over to defense. They have a pretty good D-line. Tyreek Williams and JT Tumalola. Their defensive tackles, Tumalola is kind of a, a borderline first-round pick for next year. They think he's pretty dang good. Um, then Jack Sawyer, a guy that plays a linebacker, defensive end Mick. Hughes highly recruited as well. Um, he'll probably be their number one DN this year. And then Tommy Two Tommy Two Thumbs Eichenberg he had like two broken hands last year or something. Um, the guy's he's been there, there forever. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I think it's his sixth year. He's a good linebacker. He'll anchor the middle for them. So their defense, in theory, should be a little better um, than it has been last year, remember, if you remember correct. Um, They got Jim Knowles as their defensive coordinator, and they get a little better, but still had some showing up to. Hopefully, um, for their sake, they can be a little better and win some more games. uh, AKA Michigan newcomers. They got a a pretty good defensive tackle from Mississippi uh, University of Mississippi, uh, Taiwan Malone, Um, then Jihad Carter via Syracuse, a very highly sought after safety. um, He'll fill a a void back there for the Buckeyes. Then Davison. I'm going to butcher the heck out of this. Igbenuson from Ole Miss as well. So I like the Ole Miss guys um, cornerback. Um, so their defense should be better. Their offense, they have a new quarterback. Um, is it going to be this McCord kid that has the most experience, which isn't much. Um, played in a couple games last year and then you've got um, this Devin Brown kid that was a pretty highly rated recruit. He has no experience. He was hurt last year. Um, I'd i don't know what i'm guessing mccord's gonna win it um he's supposedly pretty good um but who knows we won't know until we see him um I, I think you could make really any quarterback look good playing in this system though honestly it's a quarterback friendly system really good running backs athletes everywhere you just have to be able to not turn the ball over and get the ball to these guys um so if they can do that, they'll be pretty dang good. So they lost a lot of their offensive line, which will be tough. Very young, but like I said before, number one recruiting class, brought in a lot of good guys. They develop offensive linemen pretty well. Um, there you go. Then Brian Hartline, he's the new offensive coordinator. He was a receivers coach. Um, he's... One of the best recruiters. Um, and then, you know, Day, he, he helps call the plays a little bit. I think he's going to be a little more hands-off and kind of let Heartline do it so maybe he can prove himself and get a head coaching job here in the near future. Um, so that would be good. Uh, and then flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Need the secondary to be improved. It was bad last year. Their front seven was pretty decent. They kind of got beat Bad up Bad rare for Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, they, this, they haven't had it the last couple of years. They have had slower <laughs> guys. They haven't developed as many guys. Lost them as the NFL, transfers, whatever. Um, and this is the big question. Can they break this Michigan curse? They go to Ann Arbor this year. Um, that, that's funny. Two years, we call it
0: a curse. And back in my day... John Cooper couldn't beat them at all. They'd win every game but the Michigan game and then Trussell beat them all the time and Urban beat them all the time mm-hmm. and now Days lost to him twice in a row and it's a curse It's pretty well, funny.
1: Michigan always like, oh we they haven't beaten us since twenty nineteen. Well, if you remember correctly, Michigan ducked them in twenty twenty because they didn't want to lose and by a thousand points. Yeah. Um, so they would have Ohio State would have wiped them. Um, so <laughs> Michigan won the last two battles of these two storied programs. Um, let's look at the Buckeyes' schedule. So they open up. I want to give you a fun fact
0: before Ryan goes through the picks. Three of their first, well, their first three road games are all in the state of Indiana. Fun fact. And half their road games are in the state of
1: Indiana. That's really funny. Um, Open up against Indiana on the road. In the past, I would say, man, this could be a trap game. This could be a trap game. Indiana plays Ohio State well. Ohio State is going to win that game by four or more touchdowns. Indiana's oh, bad; they're bad. This isn't the an Indiana team that's going to go eight and four, seven five, and fight and be in games against you know Michigan, Michigan uh, against these better teams in the Big Ten. No, it's not going to happen. Um, Ohio State will win that, and they have Youngstown State coming in, smoke uh, them. Former Fighting President Jim Trestles. Yep, and he, didn't he coach there before Ohio State? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and Western is Kentucky. Kalini still coach there. No, I don't even know who their coach is anymore. No. Western Kentucky comes in. They've had a good program. Um, had a couple. Uh, is Braum? I think Braum's still there. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But they, they've been pretty good. Um, but they'll win. Um, now, Ohio State goes to Notre Dame. <clears throat> Under the lights. Notre Dame Stadium.
0: One of the best September football games. Yeah, that's, games, a, so that's, that's a great sure. football game.
1: I have them losing to Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to get them at home. Um and Ohio State, so that's going to be their their first stumble. And then after that, I have them running the table. Maryland, win at home. At Purdue, win. Penn State, at home, win. They always beat them, unless it's at Penn State. Uh, at Wisconsin, have them winning that. It's a good little stretch there. Going to Rutgers, State, winning. Then Michigan State in Minnesota at home um, for the last two home games, win. And then go to Michigan and finally snap the two game streak. 2-1 out of converts, 9-0 in the Big Ten, 11-1 overall. Good for a number two seed in the CFP. The places that I differ with you, Ryan, as I
0: have them beating Notre Dame. I have them running the table until the Michigan game. I think, unfortunately, Michigan keeps that streak alive. Ohio State goes 3-0, 8-1, 11-1, second in the Big Ten East. And potentially in the playoff, but likely just a New Year's Six bowl. That's my hunch. And it'll be like the, it, the, 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 it. the hot the hot seat will heat up on a coach that wins 11, 10, 11 games a year. Yeah, because they'll love the Michigan. If they lose, to Michigan, the to, if Michigan, Michigan
1: they lose to Michigan that. this year, he's he, yeah, he might be gone.
0: They may be. Finding a hazing scheme to get him out and give Hartline the job. now Day is a good guy. I I think he's doing just fine he's a there. Good co- he's a good coach. Yeah. I would love to have that unrealistic of an expectation. I mean, it's not super unrealistic, but to think you're going to contend and should contend every yeah, year, even with, even with turnover season. or uh, talent turnover, it's crazy. All right, so that's Ryan's pick for Ohio State. He's got them winning the Big Ten East. I've got uh, this week on the clock my fourth place. Actually, we'll get to, I think, I actually haven't tied for third in the Big Ten West, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Well, five-year conference trend in 2018. They were two and seven, good for dead last in the West. 2019, marginal improvement, four and five, up to fourth. Then a slide back in 2020. COVID year doesn't really count, but two and sixth and seventh. Then a Improvement. Back up to four and five for fifth, and then a surprise five and four tied for second last year. Honestly, probably won some games that they should have lost, and probably lost some games they should have won and could have made it to Indy. Um, yeah, but they, a they're team right that there. was really well put together, and we'll get into why here in a minute. Last year, I had them going um, two and one, three and six, five and seven, sixth place with no bowl game. They went three and oh, five and four, eight and four, tied for second, and lost in the Relia quest formerly, or a.k.a. Tampa, formerly Outback Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, but all the way to a January 1st bowl game um, from nowhere. Uh, so, <coughs> excuse me, 2023 outlook. Last year was a bit of a breakout year when where some tried and true Brett Bielema philosophies and standards really stood out. Great defense, a solid offensive front, and a sound running game. In fact, it was actually a lot more than a bit of a breakout. It was the Illini's first winning season since 2011. Let's go back and look at history before we get to this year. Illinois hasn't had back-to-back winning seasons since 2010-2011 winning seven games each of those seasons. Crazy. It hasn't enjoyed back-to-back winning regular seasons since the early 1990s and hasn't won eight games or more in back-to-back seasons since 1989-90 under John Makovich. Even that was only the second time in program history that Illinois won eight games in back-to-back seasons. The other time was 1902-03. So we're not exactly starting from a solid foundation of sustained success here. That means if, if Illinois can sustain what it built last year, this year, it will be historical. Let that sink in for a minute. And history will have to be made with some significant losses. Defensive mastermind Ryan Walters is now the boss at Purdue. We covered that a couple weeks ago in my preview. Chase Brown and his tremendous consistency at running back is gone. Super underrated in my opinion. Illinois uh, even put a top-five pick into the NFL draft last year in defensive back Devin Witherspoon. But despite some critical turnover, the Illini are poised to make a run at that program history. Let's look at the offense. It's no secret what B. Luma likes to do. Ground and pound. Control the clock. Limit turnovers. He had success for years in Madison. Then found out that isn't the key to success in the SEC. But with new life at Illinois, he seems to have quickly established the sort of offensive stability this program hasn't seen in years. It won't be easy with Brown and good game manager quarterback Tommy DeVito departed, but he took another solid quarterback from the portal. This is their third transfer starter in a row. uh, And Ole Miss transfer Luke Altmaier. Illinois lacked a downfield threat last year, and the once highly touted recruit Altmaier may help take the lid off that part of the offense. He also moves better than DeVito, but yet was never able to break through and start at Ole Miss, so how good is he? Answer that, and you have an idea of what this offense might do in 2023. Don't underestimate the loss of Brown in his 1,600-plus yards last season. He was vastly undervalued nationally and will be hard to replace. The good news is Reggie Love has experience and looks to fill those shoes with the help of bruisers Josh McRae and Jordan Anderson. Both are like 6'3", 6'4", 240. Those guys have been the big backs
1: too.
0: The receiving core is definitely a strength. Take out the backs and include the tight end and four of the top five producers return, anchored by the electric Isaiah Williams, who had 82 catches last year. Uh, If Tip Riemann can be a sound safety valve at tight end, the young but promising depth at receiver finds someone to stand out aside Williams' and the ground game comes along, this actually could be a pretty good Illinois offense. The good news is three starters also return up front. Let's be honest, that's where all b teams are founded in a great offensive line. Tackles Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams and guard Zai Chrysler are back, and Josh Krutz takes over at center. He's got some experience there. Establish some depth, and this line will be the difference in some close battles this season, much like it was last year. Defensively, Most people think Bielema, and they think NFL running back after NFL running back. But a ball control offense really only works when your defense keeps you in every game. That was the case last year, and if we're going to see that history made, back-to-back eight-win seasons, there are some holes to fill this year. The Illini were number one in the nation in takeaways, number one in interceptions, number three in total defense, and number one in scoring defense, allowing just 12.8 points per game last year. Again, Ryan Walters is gone, but has stayed in the program and promoted a former Badger, Aaron Henry, to the defensive coordinator position. was a secondary coach and young, so only 34 years old. Henry's first order of business is to rebuild the back end. Uh, the good news is safety is Sidney Brown, Kendall Smith, and Jartavius Martin, along with NFL um, you know, NFL draft pick corner Devin Witherspoon combined for 17 interceptions last season. Oh, that's not actually good news. He's got to rebuild it. They're all gone. So sorry, I misspoke there. Um, the new guys are young, but good. Um, they have a. They're starting well with the corner tandem of Tyler Strain and Tavian Nicholson. Nicholson had a good season last year. The safeties aren't totally inexperienced with the transfer in of Nicario Harper, uh, but that's a lot of takeaways to to um, depart. So you know you lose 17 picks combined. You lose a lot of back end experience. So you got to rebuild that first. And linebacker leading tackler Isaac Darkangelo. How's that for a sweet last name? That's is sick. gone, but Tariq Barnes, Seth Coleman, and Gabe Jackus are back. Coleman and Jackus have speed on the outside, so that should help the safeties come along in the mid pass game. And Jackus was a freshman All American too, meaning visions of past Illinois linebacker stalwarts Simeon Rice and Whitney Mercilus. Are dancing in the heads of the defensive staff. Strength of the defense, though, has to be the front. Honors candidate Jerzyn. There's no normal names ever anymore. Jerzyn Newton and Keith Randolph Jr. The law firm. are big time tackles. Um, Newton was second team All American after leading the team in tackles for loss with 14 and sacks with five and a half. In the middle of this 3-4 front seven will be 6'2 320-pound Tay ra Edwards along with 6'2 315-pound Ohio transfer Denzel Baxson. A strong pass rush can help the secondary get seasoned without pressure and perhaps keep this D at the top if not of the Big Ten, if not the national charts. Moving to special teams, Caleb Griffin hit 14 of 19 field goal tries during a solid junior season. He's got a big leg. The Alina are looking for improved numbers from punter Hugh Robertson, who ranked near the bottom of the Big Ten and averaging less than 40 yards a kick. New special teams coordinator Robbie Disher also wants to bump the return yards and tighten the coverage. Doesn't every different or special teams coordinator want that? Final take. This team has a lot to build on after last year's surprising resurgence. Put this team in the east and it's the fourth best at max, but this is a team that could contend for the West title. Could also take a slight step back. The out-of-conference isn't too tough. That trip to Lawrence, we'll get to that in a minute. Perhaps the difference between a perfect non-conference slate and a slip-up. The Illini only draw a Penn State from the big three in the East, and that's at home. Although, hardly anybody shows up for their games. If this team can re-establish the successful ground game, make incremental strides in the pass game, and plug the big holes in the secondary, look out what I predict to be a handful of probable close losses could flip in this season, could actually be special, a.k.a. historical. So as I've been picking week by week, I've got their floor at five and seven and you know definitely a slip back from last year. I've got the ceiling as good as nine and three. Again, it's the West. It's the wild West. Anything can really happen. So let's look at their schedule. Open with Toledo, no slouch out of the MAC, but I've got got Illinois winning that. Then they go to Kansas where Kansas had a resurgence last year. I really honestly don't know much about Kansas, but I don't know that that was really a one and done. I think they take an L there, but I could easily see that as a flip at some, you know, when push comes to shove, but for now I've got it as a loss. Then they follow that up with an early Penn State game. I, I like them if they played Penn State a little bit later in the season to have more of a run at that game, but I'm going to call that a loss at home. Then i got a rattling off some wins. Florida Atlantic at Purdue, Nebraska, then a loss at Maryland. Another one of those flip-flop games for me could easily be a win. Uh, I have them actually upsetting Wisconsin because I think Belama just wants to get the number of his, his old team. Then they've got a bye week and not a bad finish. They go to Minnesota, where I actually have them losing. They pound Indiana at home and then they go to Iowa and take a close loss. But again, tell me in there where any of those are you missed
1: Northwestern. Oh, I
0: missed Northwestern. Maybe that oh that's probably where it was purple. I had that as a win. So I don't know how oh, they're on the next page. That would be why. Because they're the last game. Northwestern. That's definitely a win. So I mean, Iowa could flip, Minnesota could flip, Maryland could flip. Those are losses that I have. Um, Kansas could flip. So you can easily see where this team that I have going 2-1, and 5-4, and 7-5 and five, could win nine games. Some of those games can flip the other way too. I have them but finishing tied for third in the Big Ten West and heading to the Music City Bowl. Not quite getting to that historic eight wins unless they win the bowl game, but... Uh, Another good season in Illinois that has Illinois fans actually maybe wanting to pay attention to football on a more regular
1: basis. Yeah, Um, I have them going five and seven. Five and seven. So we
0: see them different. We see a definite difference in some of those those games. I just don't. Their schedule is just not that hard. I mean, Penn State. That's it. They've got Indiana in the East, and they've got Maryland.
1: It's at Maryland, but the the game differences. I have them losing to Wisconsin and also losing to. Um, who do you have? And I could see, I could see them losing and, to Wisconsin and Nebraska. I have them
0: losing. Nebraska. Yeah, I, Nebraska. I said they'll win because it's at home, and Wisconsin because it's at home. Those look; those are games that could easily flip. But I talked about the losses that I have pegged that could easily flip the other way too. So, I felt pretty comfortable seven and five. I probably don't have probably don't have the season, the game by game picked right, but I think you know probably that's what's going to happen is right right around yeah, there in that seven to five range all right moving on to second down Well, little shout out to mitch who took the shout out last week as a call to do some homework and gave ryan and i a bunch mm-hmm. of mailbag content for football for basketball for golf i took a couple of those this week mitch you'll hear them as you listen um save the other ones to sprinkle in throughout keep those coming chris you're always good about it and anybody else um Pass them our way, because we like to answer those questions in the second down spot, and it's kind of become a, a normal spot for us. So my first question, Ryan, is where in the hell is ESPN's cancel culture with Pat McAfee? Now, just let me paint well, the he picture did, here. They took
1: it the wrong way.
0: He, he made a comment about, I don't even remember Larry the exactly. He, he, he tied Larry Nasser and compared him to Michigan State football. Totally insensitive remark. But remember, ESPN witch-hunted all the coaches at Michigan State for the whole Nasser thing. So it's okay for for ESPN to say something like that. Anybody else, it would be like cancel them. He didn't even right. he half ass apologize. Like all these women that were impacted by that by a dude that was recently stabbed in prison, by the way, and is like yeah. a 175 year sentence or something like like 17 and a half life sentence. I don't even know. It's you never coming out of jail if he even lives his way through it. But like for somebody to say that, that's like a top brass at ESPN, basically to get away with a he's comment like that, millions of you know, if, if it was, if it was anybody else at any other network, they'd be crying for somebody to get, get fired, but he's untouchable. Just like Jim Harbaugh is untouchable. Just like, you know what? So I don't know. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, just of course he's a, he runs his mouth. He's cocky. I mean, yeah, is he entertaining? Sure. But you can't say that. I mean, no,
0: there's certain things and look, I, I am not a cancel culture person. I am not a woke person. I think that's pretty damn clear. But like there's some things that you just should know better than to talk about. And I'm yeah, sorry, but a, a guy who raped a bunch of women is not a funny joke. It's just like it's not a funny joke, the doctor at Michigan or Ohio State or Jerry Sandusky that fondled and molested raped whatever boys and young men. Like that's not okay either. So let's like let's treat this equally and flip it how it should be flipped, and he should be told to shut up and sit down and be suspended. That's flat out, like right? ESPN plays by their own rules, and they can fire whoever they want for not getting the vaccine, but somebody can say something insensitive like that, and it's like, oh, it was just a joke. He didn't mean it.
1: Well, staying on ESPN, they, uh, they're trying to be even more inclusive in air quotation so they got rid of uh, Jeff Van Gundy, who's probably their best, analyst for nba also got rid of mark jackson today just to make doris burke the the, the whatever analyst for the game since she sucks
0: i'm sorry espn and look there are there are some really really phenomenal women's studio hosts like susie Colbert um and sideline reporters like aaron andrews um, Carissa Thomas wrong. is a Rick Thompson is a really good Maria studio host. Taylor's really Maria good. Taylor's really good yeah. for NBC. I'm sorry, but I don't want to listen to Doris Burke, who doesn't have the NBA lineage that Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy do. Call NBA games. I don't want to listen to the NBA anyway. But like, no. Like, I. I mean, winner. Like. The only thing better than that would be if you took a training and put them into the spot because no, that's something that ES- that's something ESPN would do. Like, I get it. You know, she's she's good at her job. She's a really good sideline reporter, and that's okay. That's okay that she's good at that. She's not equipped to be your lead analyst for the NBA Finals. In a league that is dying on the vine because of its politicalness, you just jabbed it again. And speaking of the jab, here's my next favorite one. I got to ask this question because this was the first thing that came to mind. When will we investigate the poke? I ask because first the bills player, what was his name again? DeMar, DeMar, Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin drops and dies and is revived on the field. No oh, the way. He's
1: practicing. right um, now. For him. And
0: now Bronny LeBron's prized son. Um, there have been a spate of harsh heart issues, especially since the vaccine was started to be required for these, for a lot of people. Um, but a search, you know, a Google search will be quick to defend the vax. You know, fact checker, all this is like, there's no correlation, there's no correlation. Um, bullshit. Why then, I think last year we said on the on the pod, it was something like in a 10 year period, there had been like something like, I don't remember the number, let's just say 500 heart attacks among players. And then in a one year, there was the same amount. Like, you're not going to tell me that there's not a correlation here? We're going to protect people or Big Pharma or whatever to not uncover the truth and look into it to maybe prevent these things from happening. You know, I don't hold the fact that Bronny is LeBron's son against him, and I wish him well, and I hope he recovers and he can play again, like the, the kid that dropped at Florida and ended up playing at uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas State. That was not Vax-related. I will say that. That was athlete's heart. but And I'm not going to necessarily go out and say that this is what this is. But if nobody else is going to question it, are you serious? How can you not question that when heart attacks are tremendously on the rise among athletes? We had an NFL player die on the field last year. And the best thing you can find for correlation is that all these people were required to get an untested vaccination. And you're going to tell me that doesn't sound fishy enough to question it and to test it? Not a word of that in the media, not a word of that from LeBron, not a word of that from anybody because who are they protecting? Probably because their pockets are lined. I have no idea. But like as a human and as a sports fan, I'm disgusted because if that was my kid, I'd want freaking answers. I'd want freaking answers and no, you can't go and un- undo it and reverse it. But what can we do to fix the problem? The instance of myocarditis is through the roof right now in young um, young children and young adults, especially athletes and these prime athletes are dropping, there's no way there's all of a sudden heart disease at that rampant rate in North America. There they're just, they're, there isn't. There isn't. And I want to know, this is a perfect opportunity for you, LeBron, to put up or shut up and actually make a stand and question, like, hey, I want to look into this because I don't think this is right. But instead, nope, you'll you'll stay quiet and you'll toe the party line because that's why everybody hates you. All right, here's an, here's one of Mitch's. And kind of combination of, uh, given the fact that the Michigan State jersey unveil came out, what's your all-time favorite Michigan State football jersey combination?
1: I like the all-green, the either, uh, I'm going to go the all-white. The Stormtrooper, white pants, white jersey with white trim and a white helmet with a green Spartan.
0: Those are, I agree, those are absolutely sick. Also,
1: the gruff Sparty helmet. Is pretty sweet too. Guffs Sparty helmet is, is cool. I,
0: yeah, once in a while, I will say that. Um, I know. Shout out to Dauber. He's he's a traditionalist. He only wants to see green. He only wants to see white. I know a lot of people like the old bronzes. I thought those were okay as like a once in a while jersey. These new black jerseys those are sweet. Are sweet. Um, the the one. Difference, too, is I'm pretty sure you can actually see the number. Like, I'm not a fan of the black basketball jerseys because you can't see the number. Everything's black. Like, the number's black. Right. Like, everything's black. Like, these are trimmed out the right way. The helmets are cool. Like, with black, with, like, the speckles of green, what do they call it, battered. Yeah. Um, Like a Spartan warrior going into... Battle yeah, it
1: has that trim the Spartans. Yeah,
0: like I mean, I've been alive a lot longer than Ryan, obviously. And I've seen some, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler knockoffs. I've seen some lime greens. I've seen some all lime green, like head to toe lime green. I've seen the, the neon green, which a lot of people like. Horrible. I do not like. I like it for basketball trimmed when it trims the black because I think it's more understated than the, the kindergarten state that's across the jerseys.
1: Yeah, like those would be cool if it was like a trim, not just... Right, yeah, duct like duct the neon as a
0: trim would be fine. Um, but I think these all-blacks are going to be cool. And by the accounts, it's not an alt jersey. It's like something that could come out once in a while. I mean, look, in a day and age where everybody's soft and it cares more about how they look or whatever, like Houston Michigan State right there in the game.
1: Yeah, that's, those are pretty tight.
0: But I definitely have to. I have to agree. The all whites, those are just my absolute favorite. I wish Michigan State just would wear the all white. It's like the Lions. I think the Lions in all white yeah, with the are silver elements are, are pretty sick too. So, all right, another piece of big news that kind of slid under the radar a little bit. Colorado, Colorado, the Colorado 12, to the Big Twelve. So back to where they belong. What? And that's and next year, like one year's notice. So, what's next? Big twelve's I mean, dead dead. This is the one that I heard. I think I sent this to you, Ryan. Now, of course, there's been rumors. There was like a post with Brutus dead. Buckeye and the Oregon Duck walking, big news coming or whatever. So that Washington and Oregon have long been rumored the next two. I think that that happens, and I think that happens fairly soon. The other interesting thing that I saw, I don't even remember what the source was, and it could have been total bullshit, but those two plus Clemson and Florida State. That'd be weird. I mean, you'd go to 20 teams, and all of a sudden you'd expand immediately to the southeast. Like, whoa, <laughs> that would be that would be the impetus of going to these two super leagues of the SEC and the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you'd think those would be SECs. Because the
0: ACC would start to crumble. Those are the big football yeah, well, schools for the ACC. That,
1: that's the thing is, you look at the Big Ten, and SEC are obviously the two power brokers in the situation. And the Big 12's trying to get in on it. They're saying, I, we're going to bring in these teams. We're going to bring Colorado. We're probably going to try to bring in Arizona to make it an even. Yeah, I've also heard teams. that.
0: Arizona, Arizona State drop if, if they leave next. There's a meeting
1: tonight for it in the Arizona Board of Regents to, see, to, to talk about it. But you'd think those are next. Maybe Utah to the Big 12. If the Big 10 goes in to the ACC and Nabs, Clemson, and Florida State, the ACC's dead. Then it's going to be a three team. It's It's going going to be be a three horse race. Big ten, Big twelve, and SEC. Right. And then, like we said, this crap's going to go on and expand, 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 expand. Then we're going to get to twenty forty and be like, oh, this is really stupid. Let's go back to what we did. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to
0: have ten Big ten
1: teams. Let's get rid of NIL. Let's. This is stupid. This I've had enough. They're just doing this because it's money. That's all they care about. So true it's it's all it's all financial i mean i get it because money talks but it's ridiculous as a traditional sports fan that grew up loving the power five conferences loving what the other teams could do trying to get in there with with, especially with the playoff expanding it makes it better for these you know the group of five teams you know a a team like cincinnati a few years ago gets in they get a buy you know maybe they make it further they have a better chance of winning who knows Stuff like that. You're not going to see that anymore. No. And, and hey, as
0: a traditionalist, no more Rose Bowl, right? Like the Rose Bowl ah, kind all of those s- went in the rotation me. by the wayside with BCS, you know, rotating there. And then like this year, there's, there's like no every Rose five Bowl. Years or whatever. Yeah. But no more of that tried and true January 1st, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, our time, Pac 10, Big 10. Like those were classic, epic matchups. Right. And, and our. You know, Ryan, you got to see a little bit of it, but your kids will never know that that even existed, if bowl games even exist then. It's crazy.
1: It's it's moving fast and furious, though. That's the crazy part. All
0: right, another uh, NFL one to throw at you. Justin Jefferson, prime receiver for uh, Kirk Cousins, which, again, we mentioned it last week, but do yourself a favor if you have Netflix and watch Quarterback. Um, It's a great series. But anyway, JJ recently asked, uh, I don't remember if it was on... which show it was on, probably Colin Coward or something like that, asked to name the top five NFL quarterbacks, and he didn't include his own. Should he have?
1: No. I think he's top ten. I don't think he's top five.
0: But here's the thing. Here's where I differ. I think, even if you think he's not, and it's clear, like Mahomes and Allen and some of you know those guys are up at the top. And even if I would say hell yeah, my guy is in the top five. Like if I'm him, because I have that relationship with my quarterback. And here's the thing is I know Kirk Cousins personally, and he's not going to be like, oh, my, I'm, I'm butt hurt because of this. You know, he's In fact, he's probably going to put a chip on his shoulder, and he may gel more with Jalen Naylor, another former Spartan. But anyway, I just I just feel like when you are the premier, if not one of the premier wide receivers, yeah, you go to bat for your quarterback. Him. I just think you say, hell yeah, he is. He puts the ball where I can get it. He puts it where I can make plays. Look at that Buffalo play. He trusted me. He put it up there for me to grab it. Like He and I are on the same page. Even if you don't 100% really believe he's top five given some of the names that we just rattled off, I think when you're one of the marquee wide receivers in the game, you give your quarterback a vote of confidence by saying, oh, yeah, I think he's one of the top five. And I I I don't even think you have to discuss beyond that. I just think you say, yeah, he's my boy. He's top five.
1: Yeah, that's that's odd. That'd be
0: like me at work going, yeah, you know, I, you know, in a talent stream thing. Oh, you know, my people, they're good, but they're yeah, no, they're not top, they're not worthy of promotions or whatever. No way. A good leader puts their people ahead all the time, no matter what. They fight for them. Now, if they're duds, it's different. But Kirk Cousins isn't a dud. Like I get it. You all want to say, well, he hasn't done much. He's only won one playoff game. Ryan and I were just watching when he lost um, in the quarterback series when he lost to the, the Giants last year. That wasn't on him. I mean, maybe minus the last play, but he had, you know, it was a tough bang-bang decision. It was get sacked or throw it and hope that TJ maybe made a play. It was just good defense by the Giants. Like, football's a team game that way. I get it. The quarterbacks kind of take the heat. But, like, I think you stand up for your quarterback. That's just my take.
1: I I agree with that. Sticking with the NFL, Sean Payton comments last week about Nathaniel Hackett, the guy that was, he lasted, what, 11 games for the Broncos last year. Um, basically said that he's the worst coach he's ever seen. You know, he ruined Russell Wilson. He left him practically a full bowl. Um, and then, you know, of course, Aaron Rodgers, it's my God, man. Yeah, he broke the code. I mean, what? And then Peyton's like, yeah, sorry. Like, I had my fat Fox hat on still, my analyst hat. Good for him for so telling what? the truth. Tell the truth. It sounds like the guy's the coach there. I mean, he's on the one team.
0: hand, I'm, tell, I'm asking Jefferson to lie a little bit if he really doesn't think it, but... From that perspective we're not he's not protecting anybody he's talking about the guy who left him a whatever cupboard of talent yeah just not and he's not lie. lying he did a crappy bro- job yeah.
1: you just uh, p- uh, Russell Wilson
0: off. doesn't go from his elite quarterback to dog meat in yeah. a year yeah. he just doesn't because it's not like Denver didn't have talent around him
1: right just crazy um, and then one more NFL thing. I, I get it. There, there's been a lot of injuries in NFL training camp over the years. You know, Burrow last week, I think he blows his Achilles. He just strained it. He's out for whatever. Some other big injuries have happened. You know, Tim Patrick from the Broncos. He's been hurt a lot. towards his Achilles the other day. People are complaining. Oh, they need to restructure the NFL offseason. They need to do this. They need to do that. How are they supposed to practice? Right. Restructure, People, restructure. What guys get, get hurt? Someone's gonna get hurt. They're gonna get hurt. If your Achilles is gonna go, it's probably gonna go. If it's right. non-contact, it's ready to go. If your knee if buckles when you're c- cutting, not from like a hit, it's ready to go. Look, it, we've this we've this already cut, cut down. It's we cut down tear.
0: preseason to three games, and it's we added tear. a regular season game. Like Unless you want to cut the regular season down to 12 games and severely cut practice, what are you going to do? It's like Michigan State dealt with that a lot last year, too. And There's ways to learn and when to hit and when not to hit and all that stuff, but you get into game action. If you don't hit, you're not prepared to hit. No. You're probably more likely going to get hurt. Like, Look, it's a hurt, it's violent funny. game, people. Football is game. a violent game. These guys are freakish athletes doing freakish things on legs and joints that are not always meant to do freakish things, like just... Accept it and stop being butthurt hurt that your you know number one pick in the fantasy draft is sidelined for the yeah, year. It's
1: not. It's just. It drives me crazy. Um, then some more um, <clears throat> NCAA stuff. Miami, you see, they're under investigation for NIL. Oh, shocker! Yeah. For being them not doing correctly, oh, surprising! The millions of dollars that from lifewallet.com that you got right isn't actually those not those twin it. those
0: hottie twin girl basketball yeah, the, players that made millions. right?
1: And then all these football players that they get. It's come on, it's yeah. Yeah. N- Nigel Pack coming in from for for basketball, giving them millions of dollars. And then this came out tonight. Um, there's this investigation: Iowa State and Iowa football players being investigated for potential gambling. Um, issues and it comes out that Iowa State's quarterback, Hunter Deckers he was a backup in 2021 he was a starter last year, not very good they were very bad was fighting for going to be fighting for a starting job this year he is under investigation he is being accused of gambling on like 30 different Iowa State sporting events um, in 2021 and one of them being one of his own football games and his parents helped him like create a fake account told him oh, to do it God. so they could make money off of it apparently um, look this is the like, perils of stupid. legalized
0: sports gambling which stupid. you know ryan and i love but if you're an athlete ryan couldn't do it when he was an athlete like wait until you're done like hold your wad there mister as cousin eddie yeah, would say jeez
1: man good gracious These people are just not very smart i think we're gonna
0: set a record for length of pod tonight because we still got a lot of good stuff to cover good for hodgepodge for this week I or you got anything else
1: i don't else? think I have anything else.
0: All right, quick word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty. We'll help you find the home that best fits your needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right, third down. As promised, last week we did quarterbacks. We're going to do a running backs bracket. Big 10? Um, these are Yep, Big 10. These are collectives this year, not individuals. Um, and this is based off, my rankings are based off of a combination of a handful of site rankings and reviews on more or less tandems or trios of running backs in the Big 10. So all right, they're probably a little underrated after I had just done their review, but we're going to start off with 12 seed Illinois, who's got Reggie Love, Josh McRae against 13 seed Indiana with Josh Henderson, Jalen Lucas, and Christian Man, Turner. Illinois. Take I, I agree with that. Then in the 11-14 game, you got Rutgers at the 11 with Kyle Menangai, Samuel Brown the fifth, and Jashon Benjamin, and Northwestern is the 14 with Cam Porter, Anthony Tyus the third, and Joseph. I like
1: that Manangai. He was good against Michigan State. I'm going with Rutgers. Oh,
0: Rutgers. I'm going to actually go with Northwestern. I I have done my homework on these teams, obviously. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, so you, we both have um, Illinois facing off against five seed Michigan State with Jalen Berger, Nathan Carter. Big things expected from him as a transfer from UConn and Jaron Mangum. I'll go with uh, Michigan State. As will I, and then you've got number six seed Minnesota with Sean Tyler, Darius Taylor, and Zach Evans. For the first time in forever, they don't have Ibrahim uh, oh, yeah. uh, going. You have them against uh, Rutgers. I have them against Northwestern.
1: I got. I'll go Golfs. and
0: I will. I'm going to go Northwestern. I'm going to go with a little upset there. I think Northwestern's running backs are underrated as they typically are. And then you've got number seven seed Purdue. Uh, with Devin Maccabee and Dy- Dylan Downing, Tyrone Tracy against number ten Iowa, Caleb Johnson, Lashawn Williams, and Zian Patterson. I'm gonna
1: go Iowa. I-, I like that Caleb Johnson. He's a he's a really good back. And then
0: I am gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Purdue, number eight seed Nebraska, Anthony Grant, Ramir Johnson, and Gabe Irvin against nine- number nine seed Maryland with Roman Hemby and Antoine Littleton in second. Terps. And I'm going to go with Nebraska. Um, So we got Penn State, the number one seed overall, with Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, and Trey Potts. You have them against Maryland. I have them against Nebraska. Penn State. Same. Number four, Wisconsin, with Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi against Michigan State.
1: Uh, Wisconsin. Braylon Allen is a special back.
0: Yeah, i got to go with that, just on proven entities right now. I think Michigan State could be really good. Um, then you got three seed Ohio State, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson, and Dallas Hayden against you have them um, against Minnesota. I have them against Northwestern. I'll go uh, Bucks. Agree, Bucks. And then you've got uh, two seed Michigan, Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and C.J. Stokes. You have them against. If I can write and scroll at the same time, Iowa. I have them against Michigan.
1: Purdue. Corum and, and Edwards. That's a good one-two punch. combo you can yeah. get, Super I mean, They're
0: not really necessarily all that different. Quorum's kind of a smaller a point.
1: little more of a power back, I would say. A so better. you've got
0: 4-3-2-1. So you've got Wisconsin against um, Penn State. Uh, Penn State. And then you've got Ohio State, Michigan.
1: Let's go with the Wolverines.
0: And I've got... Um, also Wisconsin, I, I've got one, two, three, four as well. I've got Wisconsin, Penn State. I'm going to go Penn State, and then I'm going to go Ohio State, and then I'm going to go Penn State.
1: Yeah, I think Penn, Penn State. State. I think those. I mean, Corn's really good, but I, going to the season, I don't know if he's going to be healthy. I started right. coming I, off of a knee like that. A bad it's hard for a running back guy that he's going to get a lot of carries. I mean, Edwards is a really good back, anti semite and all, but he, I mean, he's a really yeah, another a good double back. standard. He, Edwards is going to be a better professional back because he's the Alvin Kamara receiving back mm-hmm. a little more versatile in that way um, but is a really good college back um, but I, I just don't think he's other all Catron I, I, Allen was like a three-star recruit and he's unbelievable Nick Singleton I think he could be the next Saquon type yeah those guys guy. lived up to the hype last year for Penn Singleton State Singleton sure. is, is legit it is a legit pop, like top back
0: totally agree all right, moving on to fourth down. A little golf time. Uh, I got some questions to throw out there, Ryan. How do you want to start? You want to talk about the three M
1: first? Yeah, we can talk about the three M. Basically, a snooze fest. I mean, there's not much of second in a row, right? Yeah, I mean, good for for uh, for Lee Hodges' big win. I mean, he ran away with it. He stone cold all weekend. Post and tried to make run, gave away the... And how about him going for the green there, lost 260K?
0: Yeah, but I read an article, and I said it at the time. Like, look, you're down three. You're up three, right, at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Or down well, two. If he made the green, down, yeah. he would have put pressure on him. Right, he could. If he makes an eagle, and Hodges screws up and makes a bogey, it's a playoff. Like, you got to go for it. And look, at this level, these guys, $260,000 isn't that much money. It's not like he was a breakthrough player because if he was and it was like the first time he ever was a top 10 and it was like a make or break thing he would have probably just bunt 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 par where he screwed up wasn't in going for the green and two it was his it was his drop like he hit a, or actually no it was his his drop was good but then he had 100 yards out and he just didn't hit it very well he He looked like one of us he he hit it fat or whatever he took a snowman eight but he still finished tied for second. Look, for points-wise, it worked out fine. He lost some money, but you know, I do like that course a lot. Um, really, that's actually that par five, apparently, is the hardest par five on the PGA Tour, which is kind of crazy. And I think it's because it's such a risk-reward going for the green there. And posting barely, he almost went out in the water I'd anyway. I'd love to
1: go dive in that lake for look for some, yeah, no some Pro V1s. Yeah, no kidding, a lot
0: of Pro V1s. So, so, 3M, good one. We got one more week of yeah, regular we season random right. championship and only the down. top 70 this year go to the FedEx so you got so some race. guys that have to do something you know JT. JT is he pretty much has to win this week right to have a chance
1: Yeah he's 79th right now
0: I mean I guess if he had like a top it's 5 funny, top 10 to finish It's funny because
1: he's there's I, I watched a little video of we're and they're like like what like what's going to happen if he only goes well what if I play well this weekend then you know so I'll, and then make the Make the fast cup and I play well and make it the tour championship. You're not going to talk about it anymore, right? Yeah, I'm you sick. can't
0: have the attitude of what, hap- what happens if it's bad, like in golf, especially it's on to the next shot, right? Like, I don't think he's struggling with striking the ball, he's just struggling with either making mistakes at Im- impromptu times or you know, important times he's making I, mistakes, I, I like JT or a lot. or he's just just not scoring well and sometimes that happens like you can strike the ball well even as amateurs like i can hit the ball feel like you know if i'm trying to fall asleep at night instead of counting sheep i'm counting my strokes i can think back and go like i actually hit the ball really well and i shot an 88 today or man i got pretty lucky and i made some great shots and i shot an 80 like that's just golf right and i don't think he feels like he's that far off is some of that you know self pep talk maybe but I mean, he's not, he's a plus 4,000, so his odds are not that long. And honestly, there's obviously, this is kind of like for the guys on the outside looking in. None of the big names are playing this week. I mean, the biggest name is Matsuyama at plus 1,800, Si Wu Kim plus 2,000, Henley, Sunjay M, Denny McCarthy. Those are like the top five guys. Sam Burns right there, Poston's playing. Um, You know, you got a guy like Adam Scott who's kind of on the outside looking in. He needs to have a good weekend. So I think it'll be, it'll be kind of fun from that perspective, like the course, too. Yeah, um, Donald Ross. You know, to see if somebody can kind of rise up and, and make it um, based off of that. Um, how did we do on our picks last week?
1: Uh, we both had a guy miss the cut, and then uh, you had Poston, obviously, T2, and then I had Finau, who was um, T7. So, pretty good. Um, pretty good week for us both, and going into the Wyndham. Um, I'm going... I'm picking Poston, because you picked him last week, and he played well. I like it. Ride the hot hand. And then Ben-On, he's been playing well this year. I feel like, I, I hate to, it's not not racial, but I feel like an Asian always plays well in this tournament. That, Tom Kim won them, it last yeah. year. Siwoo Kim's won it before. Um, and ben an has had a really, really good 2023, and I think he continues that. I'm going to
0: go with a guy who had a really good run on Sunday, Cam Davis. I think he finished like in a, that, right around like the top games. five, and then I'm going to go with Adam Scott because I think he's fighting to to make the FedEx playoffs. I think he's in the 70s somewhere too, just on the outside looking. Yeah, he's like, I think he's at 83. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with those guys. Um, all right, here's a question for you. This is courtesy of Golf or Golf Magazine or Golf Digest. Do you like low-scoring defensive battles in football, or basketball, or baseball, or hockey? then why do people want the, this is probably a week late, but the impossibility in bogeys and majors?
1: Because then you feel like you're on the same level. But as what's the
0: difference between a major and the 3M?
1: That it's a major championship? I don't know.
0: I, that's a fair question. I don't really know the answer. I think it's just because you want to see the the best. The cream you know, rise of the top. Yeah, in a tough condition. Yeah. Speaking of... T- conditions the senior open yeah, plus 5 horrible. somebody shot a 71 I can't remember now off the top of my head who it was on the last day and somebody shot an 89 Uh, like 30 mile an hour wind sideways rain is like what you root for for the open I just thought that was kind of an interesting question that I saw it was probably a recap of the open last week but um it's fair like it, it's funny how people just root for something totally opposite of what they normally want in the open I think I think you're right, Ryan. We just, human nature, we want it to be so hard um, to show, like, who's got the the kahunas to, to pull through, right. basically. Um, all right, so here's a Mitch question for the week. What is more legitimate, a hole-in-one on a par-3 course or a simulator? I'd say par-3 course. Par-3 course, because a simulator, yeah. first of all, how accurate is it really? Like, I mean, how does it know I didn't I like throw it at it? I, yeah, sims are fun. They have their place, but... No, put me out like on three tops, or you know now par three courses are kind of coming into vogue, the bootlegger or whatever. Like, yeah, am I gonna go get a trophy for it? Like, I have to match the the one that I had in a real round. No, but like, it's still to me is tougher because you have the external conditions of wind, uh, slope, verifiable slope, and things like that. So there's your there's your answer, Mitch. Both of us resoundingly par three course. All right, next one in golf. Dumb rule of the week story. So we talk about dumb rules once in a while. It's been a little while. So you probably didn't hear about this because it was a corn fairy thing, but this insane golf ball mix-up nearly DQ's corn fairy tournament leader. So it turns out that this dude, Ryan McCormick, he might have even gone on to win it. I can't remember. He had a 60 in the opening round. Um, And that night after his opening round to keep his putting stroke sharp he was putting in his room as a lot of pros do when he finished he slipped the ball he had been using a 2021-22 model Titleist Pro V1 into his golf bag i wouldn't freaking know the difference between models to tell the truth but that's when it gets complicated in tournaments McCormick plays a 2023 model Pro V1 but the next day, he unintentionally began his round at the Glen Club with the same older model ball with which he'd been practicing, and he had only one. Of course, the PGA Tour and all PGA Tour-sanctioned events use the local model local rule G4, which is also known as the one-ball rule. This means that whatever ball model you start the round with, you must use that same model for the entire round. I guess we're DQ'd every time we play round. Yeah. Uh, in other words... If McCormick lost that only 2021 20, 22 ball he had, with no ability to replace it, he would be DQ'd. Um, he, apparently, he didn't realize the error of his way until he was on the second hole, uh, which for him was the 11th. Um, the first scare came on the next hole. When he hit a stray shot into the fescue, it looked to be a goner, but after a desperate search, the ball turned up. On the thirteenth hole, McCormick's caddy raked the bottom of a pond with a long shot of hoping to find a couple of 21, 22 model Pro V ones again. How the hell do you know? It doesn't say on it.
1: Yeah, they look, the, the thing There's is, something is, the on twenty-one it, I know, and but... twenty-two look very similar. If it was like a twenty or nineteen. They, the logo where it says Pro V one on the sides a little different. There's okay. like an arrow. All right, on so it. you know more than me, but but in in the like the. I but, guess, like, at a glance, would you? I the, guess as
0: a pro golfer, you would know that. Chris, you'll weigh in, I'm I sure. Think in I think I but, would
1: know the difference. It's based off, the so, like, the side Pro V1. It's the different uh, font of the... So,
0: beyond, by this point, McCormick had alerted a rules official to his quandary. As word spread of what happened, a couple of players, along with the tournament administration manager, came to his rescue with a couple of older model Pro V1s, so McCormick was able to finish his round without fear of disqualification. Like... Look, I mean, again, we're amateurs and I'm going with whatever I feel like is safest to not get me in trouble. I'm not going to put my $5 Pro V1 into play if I've got water on both no. sides and whatever. I just like, I'm going to switch. Yesterday? I might play my Kirkland instead. Like, uh, okay, call it superstitious, call it whatever you should be confident. But like, it just like seems like a dumb rule. Like, okay, you got to play the same brand and it's got to be Pro V1 and Titleist. But really, like, we're going to mince on year models? Like... Technically, shouldn't the older balls not be as good as the newer balls?
1: Right. Well, especially with this rollback garbage that's. there. Yeah, just on. like
0: that. That to me just that <laughs> blows my mind. Um, it, here's my last golf thing. I don't know if you have anything, Ryan, but I don't know if you saw this. Will we'll Phil ever STFU? Yeah, he's like he's he. he he's a, a point, b- but basically ripping like just you owe us. Nobody's ever gonna like buy just. If you didn't read it, read it. I don't want to get into it because we're getting long on the podcast. Mostly my fault because I'm hot today. Phil, like, you're an idiot. You're you're with LeBron to me. Go disappear. Don't die. Just go disappear on a deserted island and don't ever talk again. I would be much happier. The world would be a better place. Oh, just take all your liberal friends with you. How about that? That then I'd really be happy. Plus, the golf course would be a lot less busy. It would be wonderful. Like, dude, he just says at the point now where he's just talking to hear himself talk. Yeah, I mean, Nobody likes him anymore. Point, Nobody just likes just him anymore. Up. He's the self-appointed you know, mouthpiece of the Live Tour, which is a joke. It's only surviving because the the piff has all that money. Um, just, like, shut up, Phil. Go away. You ruined your legacy with your big, fat freaking mouth. Yep. All right. That's it for
1: me for this week. All right, we'll sprint it home. Should they do a college football version of Hard Knocks?
0: A college football version of Hard Knocks? Yes. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I think they, it would be super well watched. Too. I think yeah. they should too. Yep.
1: Favorite, in the golf ball conversation, favorite golf ball to use?
0: Look, I can't spin the ball like, Somebody that's been playing as long as me should, and whatever else, I don't know if it's just it feels good because it puts good. It comes off the face, you know, that few times around when you hit it right. I still really like Pro V ones, but I gotta tell you, like Ryan and Rachel got me two dozen Kirklands for Father's Day, and and I got daub playing them, and I think I got Chris playing them a little bit. Like they're pretty close to a Taylor Made, and honestly, between if it's a Taylor Made, a Callaway, or a Titleist Pro V1, like I've got all those in my bag that I find and stuff. That's good enough for me. If I had to pick, if money was no object, and I could just put them in play all the time, it'd be a Pro V1. I
1: like TP fives. All right, baseball question. We do do many of these. Best, I thought of this at the gym. Best under the radar Tigers player this year? In general, in your life, anytime. Oh. You All right,
0: good because I don't I don't even know their roster now. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one because he should be in the Hall of Fame with Alan Trammell, and that's Lou Whitaker. Lou Whitaker was an under the radar great leadoff hitter, great second baseman. Whitaker and Trammell were a phenomenal double play combo in the '80s for the Tigers. He is a vastly underrated as a hitter and as a fielder. I'm gonna go Lou Whitaker.
1: I like it. I like it. I'm sticking with the. Uh... The second base um, trend here. Um, not a great power to be. You got him base. He batted second a lot. Um, he was either second or bottom of the lineup. It really depended. But from my lifetime, number fourteen, Placido Polanco.
0: Right, he was a nice player too. I
1: I think he went like three years without an error. I'm not kidding. Like he was unbelievable at fielding. You know what you're going to get from him. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a power hitter, but he got on base. Really good fielder. Good leader. Love that guy. PP. Um, all right. Pop culture, fun question. Thought of this also at the gym. Favorite fast f- food drink? Favorite fast food Like if you're going to go through anywhere, if you're going to stop. Dude, is it like a shake count? Line, no.
0: Because we already did It's got to be a drink. Is. Oh, yeah. Man, I don't. I mean, I don't drink much except for coffee and water anymore. But like, I probably would say a lemonade from Chick Fil A. All
1: right, I like it. I'm going with McDonald's high sea orange. Oh, that is good. And actually, or McDo- McDonald's Coke. McDonald's Coke is it's because they have more syrup. Yeah, to
0: yeah. Like if you're gonna do, McDonald's if Coke, I'm gonna Diet spoil Coke. myself, McDonald's with McDonald's great
1: pop. Yeah. Their Sprite, all of it's good. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah,
0: that would be a close second for me.
1: All right, that is 133 as we went long today. Um, appreciate you guys listening. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, thanks, guys. We're cool. we'll talk, we can talk more football next week, and we're only uh, 25 days away from college football. Keep those keep
0: those mailbags coming, Mitch. We've got your list. I've got it in my notes on my phone. We'll check them off as we go. We, you gave us plenty, so we're gonna spread them out. Um, Love those questions, and obviously we had a lot to talk about today, a lot of passion and fire on the podcast, and it's always a good thing when we start to get to football season because between football and basketball, that's where our bread is buttered on the TFS pod. Meantime, you can motivate by fear and you can motivate by reward, but both those methods are only temporary. The only lasting thing is self-motivation. Thank you, Homer Rice.